The construction industry is undergoing a huge transformation. Designers and contractors are facing new challenges every day. We are all overloaded with rising material cost, a growing skilled labor gap, increasing project complexities, and countless digital solutions. This podcast focuses on innovation through process analysis, change management, and building a culture of continuous improvement. Together, we will learn from industry leaders on how to improve workflows, increase communication, and build the future. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. It's Amanda Harbison coming to you from the Nika Innovation Overload Podcast Studio, and I'm joined by Tahir Ali and today's special guest, Tim Batty, who is the General Manager for Buckingham Manufacturing. Tim, we're so excited to have you on today. And to start off, tell us about your background and how you got into this industry. Thank you, Amanda. I'm happy to be on. It's been a long journey to get into this industry, even though I'm only 35, just turned 35. It's Buckingham Manufacturing has been in Binghamton, New York since 1896. And we've primarily focused on the electric utility and telephone and cable, the outside industries uh, since 1896 until we started expanding our product lines. It's a family owned business since 1984. So I came into business essentially when my parents came into the business. So I've been working throughout the entire company. Many of our employees remember me working throughout the entire company since I was a little child running around the factory and running around the office and playing with the copy machine and just really just bothering people as they're trying to do work. <laughs> I worked through the entire manufacturing facility uh, starting in high school. I've done nearly every job in the facility. And then as I went through my high school years and my undergrad college years, I worked through other parts of the uh, company, engineering, finance, general management, sales, marketing. And then once I graduated, I joined uh, full-time into an outside sales role, which I was outside sales for, wow, roughly five years traveling back and forth from upstate New York to the West Coast, which can get old after a while especially when you have a significant other. So then we packed our stuff up and actually moved out to the West Coast and spent a couple years out in LA and San Diego, which was a a wonderful relief from the winters of upstate New York. And then came back, went back to grad school and joined full-time in general management role after that. And that was in about 2016. So I've been in this role for about five years now. Thanks, Tim. That's such a a great synopsis of, like you said, this journey and a little bit of the hats that you've worn, which we'll definitely get into some of those details uh, as we go through this uh, conversation. But I I really, I want to kind of kick us off with this idea of what does innovation mean to you? I know we've talked about Buckingham and being a solutions provider in the past, but from, from your perspective as a leader in the company, just as a lifelong learner, what is innovation? That's a great question. I think innovation means different things to different people. For me, innovation is being ultra empathetic, taking the position, multiple positions of many different stakeholders in a problem and putting yourself in a position of the people that have a problem and then being a creative connector. Oftentimes, a unique solution isn't really a new solution. These solutions have been around, but in different parts and in different industries in different parts of the world. And you need to have a wide range of knowledge to be able to take different solutions that other people have come up with. Much People are much smarter than myself and tailor them and customize them 
to our unique specific situation. So it's, it's a combination of being empathetic, being creative and connecting these different solutions from other parts of the world. And honestly, it's, it's from my perspective, it's grit. It's sticking with the problem until you, until you solve it, you get to the bottom and just, and just not giving up. I love that. I'm, I'm usually a person who's stuck in the gray in general. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so let's dive into outside line. I know every year, even looking at the news when there's, uh, you know, any natural disaster, it's, it's really cool to see our association, our electricians on the site, truly doing life-saving work of uh, getting the power back on for our country. And, you know, one of the things is we always need innovation and products. And I know for Buckingham, you have some amazing products. So I wanted to ask you, what are some products that you really like and enjoy that our listeners would, would appreciate hearing? Wow, that's a great question. First of all, uh, the outside industry are truly the unsung heroes of the country. Uh, no matter what natural disaster occurs, they are literally first responders. First responders can't connect via telephone, email, or power without utility workers and cable workers and telephone workers putting up the infrastructure. Everything, particularly now in COVID, is just built upon what these men and women do and erect with their bare hands. And we're proud to support them in every way that we can and keeping them safe and keeping them going home to their families, which they leave for extended periods of time during these natural disasters. Gosh, we have many products, which I could go into, that have what we believe help move the industry forward. I think primarily for the outside industry, we've made a huge focus on making our tools more comfortable and more customizable to the outside contractor, more adjustable as well. We want, we realize that many of the D10 workers in all the districts have our transient workforce. The workers can come and go and the tools need to be flexible enough, comfortable enough to fit people of all walks of life. And we realize that and have worked with uh, many of the outside contractors to build specific products such as our true fit harness that can fit people from being very large to being very small and allows the contractor to be able to get up and get the work done quicker, safer, and easier. I think that's so important. And I'd love for you to kind of explain a little bit, Tim, about, you mentioned you do a lot of work with contractors to dial in these solutions, right? So how, what does that process look like? That is the most fun part of the job, honestly. We have been lucky enough to have great relationships with many of the outside contractors. And we quite literally are invited on their work sites and asked to perform the work hand in hand with the contractors. So a major contractor, uh, NECA member, that was on a job site in Southern California asked us how to provide solutions, how to stay 100% fall protected on transmission towers that are being built literally on mountainsides. So we're able to access helicopters, fly with them to mountainsides and provide solutions with them on site in real time on the side of a mountain in Southern California. Multiple people on our sales team have flown from helicopters, have bonded on transmission wires, gone up on the substations, bucket trucks, climbing wood poles. And that's the key is to get out into the field, meet with the customers, empathetic, again, empathy, understand their needs and try to provide great solutions that we could uh, both move the industry forward, make their workers safer, more effective, and then their customers happier in the end as well. 
That's so important. That's that's such a, a, a critical piece of, again, how you make sure that your your solutions are relevant, right? And I think you guys do a great job with that. Tim, I've really enjoyed in the past when we've connected, we've talked about the idea of, you know, you make these great products, but also how do you help your, your sales team of which you were a part of tell the story or how do you help your contractors know how to use the products? And a lot of that comes from, from the training or the upskilling, right? You can have the best thing in the world, but making sure that people know how to use that. And I think Buckingham does a, a really, it's almost a hidden gem up there in Binghamton where you have this really exciting facility on training and, and getting people into the actual physical situations. So can you share with us a little bit about not just what you do for training, but also how did that evolution occur? How did you even go down this path of this is what we need to do to help drive home you know, adoption? That is a great question. The worst thing a manufacturer can do is provide the best solution that no one uses. That wastes your time, wastes the customer's time, and it's just... <laughs> That's not, it's not something to write home about. And we've realized that. And the best thing that we could do again is one, keep circling back to empathy, but be empathetic to our customers and figure out how they consume media, where they consume media, what would be the best avenue to get in front of not only the supervisors and managers in the company, but actually the people who are using the tools, adopting the tools. And one, it's distribution of those ideas, getting out, obviously, your website, your internet, trade publications, trade shows, but creating tools that are intuitive to use and easy to use. A safe tool is a tool that's used. It's not a tool that's kept in the truck or in the office. So it's a combination of getting the idea out there, creating better, frankly, better equipment that the end user, they actually the people who are using the tools to be able to adopt more readily and more easily. So we don't need to do as much aggressive hands-on training in the end. Well, you know, looking at, you know, creating these tools, you know, you have to have a really good, you know, research process for your company. And I was wondering, how does that work within Buckingham? So how do you stay up to date with the latest and greatest and ensure that it's going to deploy correctly? That is a great question. Our research and development team are frankly NECA contractors. Uh, that's the wonderful thing about this industry is men and women, people aren't shy about telling you what they want, what they don't want, what they don't like about your equipment. So it's just honesty. It's wonderful. And we aren't necessarily proud if someone says they don't like something about our equipment, you'll see our entire sales staff writing that down. And we'll bring that information back for the sole goal of continuous improvement. Improvements compound on each other. If you improve 1% a week for 52 weeks, at the end of the year, you're not 52% better. You're 67% better because you build on each other. So we wanna keep that continuous loop of putting products out that are new and exciting, getting in touch with the end user, getting them to use our products, being there when they use our products and getting that honest raw feedback back and then continue, iterate, 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 iterate until you come to a, a great solution. That's so true. And I'm going to keep that, that statistic in the back of my mind. Um, you know, the compound nature of uh, improvements, definitely something to, to think about. So I, I want to, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, and again, that's life on life on the, on the cuff. And like you said, our listeners are always very honest with us. So I'm sure we will hear one way or the other uh, on the accuracy there. 
So <laughs> one thing that I want to circle back to, Tim, this idea of, you know, you came into this family business essentially when you became alive and you grew up in, in the business. And I know that a lot of our listeners, a lot of our contractors out there are family businesses. As people grow, as they become leaders in, in that network, it can sometimes be challenging, right? Because if you're in the family, there's the challenge of do people think or, you know, is there this perception that I've, I haven't earned this? And if you're not in the family or you don't have that last name, there's that perception of, well, I can only get so far because of, you know, I'm not part of this, this dynasty. And so as someone who kind of grew up within the family side of a business that you have such a rich history with, I'd love to hear um, your perspective on your advice for, for those of our listeners who are either in the dynasty or are not in the dynasty. Another great question. That's, that's a complicated one. Uh, family businesses are complicated and can be difficult. Not only is particularly for a small business is running a business inherently difficult. There's a lot going on, a lot of moving pieces and a lot of things that have to go right to have a successful business. But you have the added complication of just these deep personal connections where otherwise in many other companies you may or may not have. Being a part of a family that runs a family business, uh, it's important that it's uh, you have complete honesty and openness. The, the term sunlight is the best disinfectant uh, is true, uh, and at least in our experience. If decisions or directions of the company are made in the dark, people, other people who may not be in the family business, who may be in the family business, but not as, uh, not as directly involved, might start to be concerns and concerns might arise. It's a complicated question. And I, I, one thing that we've always done in our business is, frankly, just put our employees first. That's, that's just paramount. In a family business, you're without non-family members. Uh, you don't have anything. It's just, it's just a name. So we realize that and we, we try to support our employees and treat them as family members, uh, which many of them are, uh, indirectly or directly and support them in every way that they can through everyone has ups and downs and successes and failures. And we realize that and say we do as well and just try to support them and treat them as, as family members as well. You bring up such a good point, Tim, because what I'm hearing is, is a culture within Buckingham. And I know a lot of our contractors, uh, whether they're outside or inside, are very interested on curating a great culture. So how did Buckingham go about developing it? You know, what what do you live and breathe by every day at Buckingham to ensue that that powerfulness? We adhere what we call essentially principled ownership. You know, we want everyone within Buckingham to consider themselves as an owner, whether it's an owner of the company order a division, owner of a product line, or if you're a manufacturing employee, owner of your machine. We want you to take pride in it. Uh, there's pride in everything that everyone does. Feel strongly about that. And adhere by simple principles, honestly, on uh, a great attitude. If you have a great attitude, you want to show up to work, uh, you'll have a home, no matter what your skill level or ability is. Frank and honest and open culture is huge. Again, sunlight is the best disinfectant on the golden rule. You know, treat others the way you want to be treated. That's very important. An obsessive focus on quality and continuous improvement. That's it. 
as long as you are great attitude, you come to work, you try, you care, uh, and you want to get better, that's what we're focusing on. And that's the people that we want to attract to come work with us. That's such an important thing to to really dial in, right? Because, uh, and we talk about this a lot on the show, you can have the best tech in the world, you can have the best ideas, but if you don't have the culture or the 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 people bought in to to help weigh them out, then you know you you aren't going to be able to be innovative or truly be impactful. And and so Tim, let's let's sit with this idea of 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 the best ideas or the best ways that you um you continue to to aggregate and build things. Um, so for you personally, as someone who grew up in the industry and has worn many hats, you sound like a continuous learner. So how do you personally and as a leader continue to make sure that you're educated make sure that you know what's going on with industry trends and make sure that you're kind of you have a pulse on what's going on say yes you know if you have any opportunity to learn or to visit another facility another industry another leader another business owner uh, take that opportunity. There's always something you can learn and there's always a little nugget that's made them successful, uh, has made them successful in the past. And again, connect that, customize that to your specific situation. I love traveling through other manufacturing facilities. That's one of the uh, things I actually like to do. Uh, I like visiting the fields, understanding our customers, not only with their work practices, but their businesses, what they're, what they're worried about, what their customers are worried about. You need to get yourself out there and make yourself open to new experiences and and other ways of life and other ways of conducting business to be able to take those nuggets and connect them in a way that works for your specific situation. I always love having our our partners on here because you guys have the pulse on the industry. You know what's up and coming, what's trending. So from your perspective, what do you see trending right now or what's to come where our contractors really need to make sure they stay on top of to make sure they're not behind the curve? Great question. I think tailoring equipment to specific workforces are is, is incredibly important. There's this evolution that, like anything, you have a tool, put the tool into a field, and it might work for a subset of the entire population. And then you need to take that tool and modify it for different subsets. Uh, so what works for 60, 70% of the population in a specific tool might not work for the rest of 30%. But the rest of the 30%, that's a big number of people. And you need to craft tools and craft solutions for these tools to the, the long tail of people. For instance, women in the, uh, in the electric utility, especially the outside, historically has been a male-dominated field. There are more and more women coming into the fields, and they need specific tools that fit their specific body types, their situations. And uh, we realize that, and we're working towards making specific tools that would fit uh, and make a women's work uh, more comfortable and more efficient and more safer as well. That makes such a important difference. And so let's, let's sit on this for a second. Um, This idea of diversity, right? We talked about culture and we talked about having voices heard. How have you seen the industry change and what changes are still needed within diversity and kind of growing the diversification of our workforce? That's a good question and a tough question. I'm 35, so I'm reasonably new uh, in the industry, so I, I don't have the depth of knowledge to go back 50, 60, 70 years. But in my experience, 
the newer, younger generation puts a requirement and more value on diversity and inclusion than the older generation, as a rule of thumb, in my experience, has. Uh, so adopting to new viewpoints as different generations come and modifying your business to fit with these different viewpoints uh, is, is imperative. People might have heard on uh, the triple bottom line, you know, people, profits, etc. That's what people want and the younger generation wants. And that's what you need to start to craft your business towards. So uh, one of the things I also like to have as the flip side is what do you see threat wise to our industry? You know, what, what is coming where we could have some potential gaps that could affect our, our electrical contractors? 600 pound grill in the room is the, is the, is the labor force. Uh, I think that's on the tip of everyone's tongue and just, it just smacks you right in the face. The emphasis not on the trades going from grade one to grade 12 is extraordinary. You can make a great life, a better life than you would if you've taken a different path in life, if you focus on the trades. And I think there needs to be a renewed and pronounced emphasis on that starting at a younger age. For instance, personal experience. My brother uh, went to a four-year college and he didn't like what he was doing. So after his four-year college, he joined the IBW apprenticeship. And now he is a journeyman lineman uh, working. In hindsight, he wished he did that eight or 10 years earlier, instead of uh, waste eight or 10 years of his life. Giving kids experience, younger people experience to the trades at a younger age, I think is just, it's paramount, you know, because not everyone's cut out for a specific path in life. So you need to give people a lot of avenues to choose their own path. That's such an insightful way to look at it, because again, you know, we all have different skills and different things that that um, we are able to specialize in. So, so speaking of the idea of specialization, Tim, as we've kind of discussed, uh, Buckingham really has focused over the years on the outside line contractors and their safety and providing support in terms of different solutions to help give them a competitive edge. But I think something that is really maybe uh, new to our inside um, inside electricians is how much they can also benefit from Buckingham's line of solutions. And so for those of, of, of our listeners who maybe are not as familiar or who kind of equate Buckingham with, with the outside line uh, men and women, what sorts of ways have you been able to kind of help them understand that your solutions maybe can transcend that outside-inside dichotomy? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head as solutions. Uh, we manufacture products, but people don't want products. They want solutions to their problems. And that's where we've been successful in the past is working with the end user and packaging our products into easily deployed solutions where they can use them to make their employees more efficient, more effective, and more safer. We've worked with local contractors and again, getting out into the field where we can deploy our empathy to understand their problems and packaging them in ways where they can get the feedback of their employees of what works and what doesn't work. And they can deploy our solutions into the field. For instance, a big one coming up are ladders. We have a vast solution of ladder fall protection that's actually come from the outside industry and cable and telephone industry. 
So we're tailoring these ladder solutions to keep people safe on ladders into the inside, uh, which is a huge need for the inside. You know, you're talking about ladders. I recently have been watching a whole bunch of videos of lineman work. It is crazy. I mean, to see them in the helicopter, see them climb up on the poles, I mean, high voltage, everything possible that looks amazing, but also can be extremely dangerous. So it goes back to that pillar of safety. So I wanted to hear your perspective, you know, especially from Buckingham's, you know, thoughts on safety and how important it is and how, how do you keep it in mind when you're creating your products? Safety is everything. You perform a job, frankly, to get paid to go home and support your family. I mean, that's why people come to work. That's why many people come to work, maybe not everyone. <laughs> and that's what we do when we come to work every day is our goal is to allow our customers to send their employees home to their families. My brother is a user of our equipment. I want, I want him to go home safely to his family and come home and visit us on holidays and weekends and stuff like that. That's why we come to work, is to allow other people to go to work and to go home for work. I don't think you could have put that in a more inspirational way. So as we as we kind of wrap everything up together, right, Tim, we've talked about the people side of the business. We've talked about training. We've talked about technology, about solutions, about dichotomies of culture. What would you say is the takeaway? What would you say is kind of, as our listeners go back to their, their daily lives, what piece do you want them to take with them on everything that we've talked about or, or just like a lasting thing that, that can help them moving forward. Something that I feel strongly, I think they would, I think they should, your listeners, our listeners uh, and our employees and our customers hope to create an environment where people of all abilities and skill levels can participate in improving your business, improving their situation, improving their skill level, no matter how big or how small you want to create that environment where everyone can uh, make the boat row faster. Everyone's going in the same direction, in sync, moving quickly to improve, improve their environment. The company, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's a for-profit, a contractor, uh, an organization, you just want to contribute and improve. I love that. I especially love the analogy with the, the boat rowing. That made a lot of sense to me. So thank you so much, Tim, for being on the show with us today. And thank you for your insights. For all of our listeners, feel free to reach us at innovation at nikanet.org with any questions or comments. We look forward to hearing your view of innovation and the challenges ahead.